Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, pod wafflers, and welcome wherever you're listening on this beautiful planet we call home to another episode of Lyrical Life. Well, in fact, it's episode three, part one of a two-parter with the delightful and vibrant, full of energy, full of life, Shauna Lee. Now, you can find Shauna on Instagram under the handle of ms.lee.official, and the Lee is spelt L double E. She was an absolute delight to speak to, so full of life, and it was an absolute joy. Now, we cover many things on this particular episode. Uh, We cover from when she first got into writing, uh, when she first came to the UK from Jamaica, and many other things on top of that. If you want to have a bit more of an in-depth look at what we speak about in this episode, you can read the bio on the podcast details. Now, just as a trigger warning, we do speak about mental health and the effects on Shauna uh, and in general uh, we also cover the subject of suicide so if that of course affects you in any way feel free to fast forward um, and get to the next part of the podcast but that's just a trigger warning so I leave you now to enjoy the chat that I had with a delightful as I say vibrant wonderful soul that is Shauna Lee hello my dear thank you so much for agreeing to Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. You're looking very, very well, may I say. Thank you so much. I try. (laughs) I try. (laughs) For people that may not have discovered your account, and shame on them, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you're on Instagram. Now, I've done all this in the pre-record for the start of the episode, but just to remind people of your handle, how can they find you on Instagram, first of all? Okay, so I have um, two Instagram pages. My poetry Instagram page is at ms.lee.official. So that's miss.lee.official. And I also have a lupus advocacy page, um, which is at lupus one on one. So that's the number one on number one. And that's your Lupus Awareness page. Brilliant. So you've got your two pages there. Superb. And as I say, I will be putting links to those in the podcast description anyway. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Right, guys. So my name is Shauna Lee. um, But online I go by Lee just because it's easier and I just can't like deal with people who mispronounce my first name. (laughs) So it is just (laughs) a lot simpler to say Lee. Um, so online it's Miss Lee um, and that's perfectly fine to call me Lee. Um, I am from Jamaica originally. Um, I came to this country when I was eight years old. Um, this bizarre accent that you hear right now um, is as a result of me coming from Jamaica um, with a Patois accent. Um, and I came here and I tried to learn English. Um, I learned it very well. <laughs> I learned it too well. Um, yeah. and now I sound like an American slash Canadian slash I don't know what. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I am 34, almost 35. Um, I am from a very big family. Um, I have a couple of brothers over here in this country. I have many siblings in Jamaica. I will just leave it at many um, because (laughs) to disclose the number will be a bit shocking. Um, So we'll just leave it as many. Um, (laughs) um, Aside from 
beyond that, what else you need to know about me? Um, I love to write. Um, I suffer from a condition called lupus, um, which is an autoimmune disease. I'm sure we'll get into a bit more detail about that later on. Um, yeah. I work for TFL. Um, I think that's all the bits and bobs you can um, know for now about me. Um, that's a quick whistle stop tour. <laughs> Whistle stop tour of you, and just just for those that don't know, TFL Transport for London, so the uh, the underground, as it were, yeah. Correct, and um, it's not just the underground though. TFL is made no. up of like many different transport options within the country. Um, I actually work for head office, um, so I used to work on the stations, um, but since COVID came along, um, because of my health conditions, um, I was removed from the station, um just for my own sort of um, health reasons. Um, so now I work from home most of the time um, and I work for head office. Excellent. And you mentioned earlier on there in your wonderful introduction about yourself that you learn English. Now, you, you, you speak English better than I do, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and I was born here. Um, how long did it take you to learn English? Do you know it is, yeah, and it's so funny, and I'm going to correct myself, like, with what I just said before. So, Patois, <laughs> Patois is, is technically English, but it is a dialect of English. Um, so, to Jamaicans, it's a language. Like, to us, that's our language. We speak Patois, that's a language to us. But in, you know, official English terms, it's not. It's, it is all English. Like, um, but when I say I learn English, I learn the Queen's English. So I came here, um, I, I was in primary school, I think I came here when I was in year four, um, and then I, I learned how to speak the Queen's English um, by the time I got to secondary school, so by the time I was in year seven. So between year four to year six, um, I was just obviously learning how to write properly, speak properly, um, and then by the time I got to secondary school, I was just very good. Um, with my writing skills um, they were actually surprised that I'd only just come like a few years prior um, because my English was that good um, so yeah it took me a couple of years I'd say maybe like two three years um, to fully like learn it completely but throughout the whole of secondary school I was excellent at English <laughs> like excellent they would never have known that I'd come from Jamaica prior wow wow and did that did for you then did you did that help you integrate more, do you think, and fit in more into your school because you... A hundred percent. When I came here, I remember, like, being in school, primary school, and the kids would say, Miss, she talks funny. <laughs> it was, <laughs> she talks funny. She said that word funny. Um, and I understood because they weren't used to... Because, my, you know, when a Jamaican comes over, yeah, like, the accent can be strong. Like, so you can really struggle to understand, like... Um, so I totally understood where they were coming from. You know, they'd never... If, especially if they'd never encountered, you know, someone with a Jamaican accent, then it's, like, all of a sudden trying to understand is, like, you're not speaking French, but at the same time, you might as well be. <laughs> you might as well be. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so it was awkward um, at first and it did make me feel a bit insecure um, yeah. and I think that's why I was determined to learn it so fast because I was just over these, this, this idea of people saying I couldn't speak properly because I was always in Jamaica, I was always known as like 
super smart. Like everyone was like, you know, Sean is so smart. Like, so to come here and then almost have people belittle me or make me feel like, you know, I was below them when I know I came from such a high educational standard, it's just that they couldn't understand what I was saying. Um, so therefore I kind of pushed myself to just learn it correctly as quick as possible. Yeah, and that's really unfortunate because that's lack of understanding is ignorance, isn't it? And yeah, you know, I, mean, I think it's primary school. So these are little kids, you know, like we're under mm. the age of 11. Um, so, yeah, primary school. Like I came here when I was eight. So these are eight year olds, nine year olds, 10 year olds. So you, you kind of just forgive that because they're so young. Um, by the time I got to secondary school, I wouldn't have expected it at secondary school. And I didn't experience any in secondary school. The most common sentence I got was, are you American? Are you American? <laughs> That's all I heard every time I spoke to someone new at secondary school. Are you American? Are you from Canada? No, <laughs> I'm from none of those places. <laughs> <laughs> you say that, though, about the, the kids being young. My, my daughter is nine and, and she knows the difference about people being from different yeah, places. And but do you not think that, like, nowadays kids are a lot more wise and... um um cultured than like say you know 10 15 years ago or even longer than that because I'm what this was 20 odd years ago you gotta think this is like over 20 years ago and I think kids nowadays are way more cultured like than kids um 20 years ago possibly possibly um I know I know I'd get a, a talking to from my mum if I was you know rude to somebody else because they were different yeah yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, maybe I, you know, just a different upbringing. I don't know. Um, but it's you know talking to you now and then getting to know you over the time that I have got to know you. Um, it certainly hasn't altered the way you, how confident you are and and the kind of person you. Are, I don't oh, think. No, so, you know. As I said, it encouraged me. It encouraged me mm. to spur me on more. Um, you know, because I, I I didn't I didn't lack that um confidence in myself that I was smart. Because as I said, I grew up with that. That was like my little tag name, like that I was smart. Like everybody always said, she's so smart. Like I books wise, I was very educated, like and ahead of everybody. Like even in school, I was very sharp, like with picking up everything. So it never knocked me in that sense because I knew I was very clever. And it was just the case of them not understanding what I'm saying yeah. rather than anything else. Um, so it never it never did anything for me, to be honest with you, more than I just wanted it to go away. I just wanted the noise to go away where they kept saying things like that. Um, yeah. But it never knocked my confidence. So you already had that ammunition in, in, in your locker, yeah. as it were, that you, knew, that you knew you had that intelligence yeah. there already. Oh, that's 100%. brilliant. So, so you talked about writing um, and, and the books you read and, and, you know, being quite sharp with everything. So how long have you been doing your, your poetry for and your writing in that respect? OK, so when I came to this country, initially, um, what I would do is I would write greeting cards um, and I would write little messages in the greeting cards. Um, so back then, I never really like considered myself as, oh, I write poetry. I just knew I liked to write. So whenever everybody's birthdays came up, I made handmade cards. Like I always had A4 paper in my house and I'd fold it. I'd draw little flowers and stuff on the front. And then in the <laughs> middle, I'd always write a little message. Um, but the message ended up being poetic. <laughs> um, but to me, I was just writing something like, but something that 
sounded nice in my head. So just imagine a nine-year-old, 10-year-old. To me, they just sounded nice. So I just wrote it. Um, then when I got to secondary school, um, I started writing little stories, like little mini stories. Um, and funny enough, I came across one of them recently. And it was talking <laughs> about some form of like relationship where the girl was being cheated on. And I was like, what did you know about this at the age of 11? Like, what in the world? <laughs> Yes, it was like the craziest thing. And then I came across one where this, I wrote about like a friend who had like betrayed her other friend. And I just remember reading them and I was thinking, Shauna, like how did you come up with all of this stuff at your young tender age? Yeah, why was your brain thinking of these things? But it just showed that like my brain was always of the imagination like level where I would always think of things like, um, and put words together that just made sense in my mind. Um, and it turned out to be either a story or it ended up being a poem. Um, after that, um, I'll, I'll say that I went through a little bit of about where I stopped writing um, when I got to the age of about 17, 18, no, 18, 18. I wanted to, um, I wanted to go to uni and study journalism. Um, and somebody discouraged me from doing so um, with a very ignorant mindset um, at the time. Um, and the mindset was that, you know, I wasn't going to be successful um, in such a field because I was black. Um, and that and I know it sounds ridiculous because, you know, I was 18. I could have made the decision to just do it regardless. But let's just say the person who said it was someone who had great influence in my life um, and their opinion was highly, highly important to me. Um, mm. And because of that, I undertook um, a degree that I didn't really want to do in a, in a uni that I didn't really want to go to. Um, so whilst I was doing this and because I never got to do my journalism that I wanted to do, I ended up stopping writing. So I didn't write for years. Um, because I just thought, well, if I can't do it as a career, what's the point of me writing in general? So I just stopped writing. Um, so I stopped writing for several years. Um, and then I restarted writing after lupus. So after I was diagnosed with lupus um, and I had a mental health, um, a serious mental health episode um, back in 2016. Um, and part of my recovery was to get back into writing um, mm -hmm. and that was when I really took back up my writing and my writing went down the path of poetry so since 2016 it was just poetry um, that I would write um, it was always stuff that I would write for myself um, never for other people never let anyone see any of the stuff that I wrote half the time I'd delete it I just write it like just so that I could get it out of my chest, get it off my chest, mm -hmm. get get it out of my head. And then I delete it at some point, like um, once I feel like, OK, it's provided what it needed to provide. So, yeah, that's that's my history of how I've written and why I've written. Do, um, you, do you wish now that you'd kept some of that? as a record or yeah. you quite happy yeah. to get rid you know of it. What? Sometimes I am super frustrated with myself because what it was is I've always been a phone writer. Um, like, especially in like my adult years, just, mm. it's, 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 I suppose it's the downside of like technology now because you've always got your phone on you. You tend to just do everything on your phone. 
Absolutely. Um, and what would happen is, because I'm a klutz with phones, I would then break a phone um, and I've lost all my stuff. I've lost oh. everything that's in that phone. Um, other times it would just be like, I would be like, oh, I don't need that anymore and I'll delete it. Um, but majority of the times, to be honest with you, is because I lost the phone, broke a phone, <laughs> something of the sort to do with the phone. Um, so then I'm thinking, you know what? It would help if I was actually like a old school writer where I wrote it down on paper. But most of my writing nowadays, I do in the most random, awkward times and places. So I'm never really like, in a position to take out pen and paper and start writing i'll just be like on a train or on the bus or just walking on the street sat on the toilet <laughs> <laughs> wherever wherever you never know um so whatever it <laughs> wherever might be inspiration strikes this is it wherever it strikes like as my phone is there with me then i can start typing and i can start writing um, so yeah, of course I do like, I know some of my writing that I have let go were probably really good stuff that I've lost. Um, but there's always more, <laughs> there's always cool. more in the tank. <laughs> of course, of course. Okay. Welcome back, Pop Wafflers. Uh, Lee, you mentioned earlier, we, we kind of touched on it briefly, well, you touched on it briefly, um, about getting back into writing in 2016. Um, yeah. after a mental health crisis um, as much as you want to elaborate and share with us as, as you'd like to um, if you wouldn't mind just just kind of telling us how that came about yeah sure um, so what happened was in I was diagnosed with lupus at the end of 2015 um, when I was diagnosed the doctor I remember precisely like the GP um, was the one that gave me the results um, and it was just like oh have you ever heard of this thing called lupus before and I was like no I haven't um what's that and they were like oh you know it's um it's an autoimmune disease um but there's these specialists who can help you more and give you more information um you will um, have an appointment with one of them in a couple of months time so I was like okay so what do I do in a, in, in those couple of months um and he's like, oh, you know, don't worry about it too much for now, you know, because they'll be able to talk through you, talk, talk through everything with you. Um, and I was like, yeah, but can you not tell me more about it now? Like, what is it exactly? And he was like, oh, but, you know, they're the specialists. Um, so it's best to wait. So I was like, OK. So I was like, well, I'll go home and look it up then. And he's like, no, 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 no. You shouldn't look it up. You shouldn't look it up because, you know, Google's going to show you all sorts of horrific things. And I was like, yeah, but you're not helping me. Um, and yeah. now you're telling me don't look it up. What am I meant to do? Um, and he's like, please, I would advise you not to look it up. Just wait, wait for your appointment. So anyways, I left. I looked it up. <laughs> I looked it up, as you do. Um, as you do. Um, so I looked it up. And then, obviously, it was all doom and gloom. It was all doom and gloom. It was all horrific. And... I remember my appointment got cancelled. So I waited a couple of months and that appointment got cancelled. And I was told I wasn't I was gonna have to wait another three months. So mm. bear in mind this is now gonna take me to the summer. Um so I was told my results like end of December into beginning of January. And I'm now being told my new appointment was gonna be like July or something like that. And I was like, I was just lost. I was lost, I was spiraling. I had all these questions in my head, um, but no answers. 
Um, and I didn't know how to speak to my friends um, or my family because what do I speak to them about? I don't even yeah. know what it's about. Like, so how do I yeah. speak to somebody else when I don't even know what it is? So I kind of internalized it all. Um, and I was doing a lot of like self-destructive things, excess partying, drinking, smoking shisha. Um, I was just doing things that were obviously making my body worse. So, you know, unbeknownst to me at that time, I didn't realize that, you know, I was in a flare, um, which is known as a lupus flare. I didn't know that was what was happening, but I was making things worse by what I was doing. And mm -hmm. as I was making things worse, my mental health was getting worse. I started having moments when I was just like, you know, excess drinking at home um, and then crying all the time. So all of this led up to a complete an utter meltdown in June 2016 where I remember like I came home from work one evening and I just felt like everything was done I felt like life was finished like that was it like there was nothing else that anyone needed to say to me anything else I needed to do um I was just ready to be out of here um so without going into any detail about the actual incidents um, sure. there were three incidents where um, I attempted suicide um, mm -hmm. in the space of a week um, after the first one I was in A&E for just a day just the night like overnight and then I was released um, telling me to go to an appointment a week later I believe it was so I was released and told to go to a doctor's appointment the following week. Um, and I was like, again, what am I meant to do in that week? Like, you just send me out on my merry way after, you know, that incident. So I did my second attempt. I think it was like either a day or two after I was released from the hospital um, was my second attempt. Second attempt failed again. Um I ended up in the hospital again, but this time they um, sent me over to um, a mental health ward, um, which is at Queen Mary Hospital. Um, and I was there voluntarily, but they um, wanted me to stay just to, you know, give myself a bit of time. Um, but when I was on the ward, there was just so much going on. It was just a lot like going on on the ward and you know when you feel like you didn't belong there um I suppose yeah. I was at that mindset where it's like what am I doing here like I can't be around all of this like I need to get out of here so I persuaded them that I was perfectly fine um and that I was never going to do it again um and then I you know I wanted to go um and because I was in there voluntarily they um more than happily said you can go um so I left um but I literally left the hospital to go home and do my third attempt um but I didn't do the third attempt at home because I was like obviously the hospital um was I think they said they were going to check on me the next day or something like that so I was like well I can't be at home so I just packed up like my my equipment um if you want to put it that way so I got my alcohol mm -hmm. and the other bits and bobs and I went on the road, um, went to the other side of London from where I live. So I live in South. I went to North um, and I did my third attempt in North London on the streets of North London. I don't know North London at all. Um, 
and I ended up like being found by a stranger on the street basically um and that stranger then called an ambulance and I woke up in a hospital in North London somewhere um I can't even remember the name of the hospital but I ended up in some hospital in North London um when I woke up I woke up to the sight of my parents um which was <laughs> it was almost as scary as like the attempt itself <laughs> um yeah so that was super scary um you know just to realize that you've reached that breaking point in it that that was but I think seeing my parents and seeing them cry and seeing them like really like finally for the first time see me and see what I'm going through like it kind of just made me realize that a, there's a reason why all my attempts failed. Um, and B, you know, it all is not lost. All is not lost. So I was sent back over to that same mental health ward again. Um, and this time they were like, you're, you're still here voluntarily, but you're not allowed to leave yet. <laughs> you can't leave until a doctor assesses you. So that was my rule. So it wasn't like I wasn't sectioned. Um, but I was told that I couldn't leave until I was assessed by a doctor and a doctor deems me OK to leave. Um, yep. So I could request this doctor's appointment at any time. Um, so any time that I was ready to leave, I could say I want to speak to the doctor now. And then the doctor does their assessment. Um, but actually, I decided this is probably the safest place for me right now. And it gave me some time to just mentally reset. Um, and I used that time to talk to like their counsellors and the counsellor, you know, asked me what did I enjoy, like other than, you know, the, the partying and the drinking, what was the things I enjoyed that were good for me? And I was like writing. That was obviously the first thing that came back up into my head. And then she was like, do you st why did you stop writing? And I told her what happened. Um, and she's like, right, well, that's where we're going to start. You know, we're going to start with you going right back to what you enjoyed, things that gave you passion, um, and we'll start there. So started off with her just telling me to write about how I'm feeling, write about what I've gone through, um, you know, what I think of myself, where I want to be in the next five years. Like, so we were writing all sorts of random stuff. And then I realised in, in between that, I started then just creatively writing um, like I used to so you know I'd have times at night when I'd just sit down and I'd write a little short poem um, and then there was a girl that I was sharing um, with um, not sharing with she was my next door um, and me and her became really really close um, and she really liked my writing so I would write her little messages um, and give her um, and she'd always love it she didn't speak English very well she was from Spain um, and yeah, so she really enjoyed like my writing. So that was like our little thing where I would write and she would practice her English um, and write, write back where she can write back to me as well. Um, so that helped me to really get my passion back. And then when I came out of the hospital, I just said to myself, do you know what? If I'm going to deal with this condition, I'm going to deal with it the best way that I know how. I ended up starting to write about the condition um the more I learned about it I wrote about it um in through poetry so I opened up my lupus page in 20 
2018, I think it was, um, 2018. Um, and then I started it off by just each of the symptoms that we go through with lupus, I would write a poem about the symptom. Um, so in the best way that I knew how, I would deal with the illness in a manner that made sense to me. Um, and then it resonated with people because I had a lot of people who joined in with my page because they liked the fact that I wrote about it in such a creative fashion that made more sense than reading the medical mumbo jumbo <laughs> that they want to spew at you. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was just more relatable. Um, so that that then sort of inspired me to start writing my normal poetry again because I love writing about love. Like, as I said to you, when I was an 11 year old, I was there talking about love and all sorts of stuff. So <laughs> I always love to write about love. Um, so when I got I got back into creative writing through lupus, um, but then the the buildup of the lupus page um, and the encouragement I got from the lupus page made me start writing my normal poetry again and start sharing that again. So I think I started sharing on my um original my personal page in 2019 um so the year after um, I did the lupus page I started sharing on that um so it's not that long ago that I started sharing my poetry like um prior to that I just never shared it like it was always just something for me um but yeah I would say in the last few years I have been sharing it a lot more and that's how it all came about really wow and that is um that's an amazing journey you've had there, isn't it? From it being is. in such a lonely, dark place to then see how positive and how alive you are. I mean, I can obviously we're doing a video yeah. call here as well for the podcast, but I can see how your eyes sparkle when you're talking about your writing and how alive you are. Like 100%. <laughs> and I think it took that incident and, you know, the, the, the sessions with the counsellor to like, really just reminds me of like the fact that this is something that brings me joy no matter whether anybody thinks that it's going to make me successful or make me money or whatever it is something that brings me joy and if it's one thing I can encourage people in this life to do is find things that make you happy find things that bring you joy and whatever that is whether people agree disagree um you know question you know how successful you'll be from it like joy cannot have a price it happiness mm. cannot have a price like so you know forget like how much money you'll make from it like if you enjoy it and it brings you happiness do it like do it and do it with all your heart and all your passion like um and I'm so glad I, I found that within myself again I'm so glad it's it's almost been like my life savior you know I wrote a poem recently about poetry and what poetry means to me um and I wrote it I remember I wrote it within an hour um and instantly like the poem just went down the path of the fact that poetry saved me um and it really did like because if it wasn't for that instilling that feeling of happiness and love and joy and pleasure again I don't think I would have got back to being me um that incident that happened in 2016 probably would have sucked the life out of me had I not restored my my passion for poetry Considered that any better absolutely that yeah that's um, that's there's a lesson for, for all of us there I think um Lee to be honest people will know this that have listened to the podcast before I suffer with depression and anxiety and I have my own mental health struggles and but there's been times when I've been really really low yeah. um and sometimes some of my I think some of my best work has come out of those times but 
I still always turn to writing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's a lifesaver. It is. It really is. Now, talking of making people happy, <laughs> I, people people won't know this, and I'm going I'm to say now, I first discovered you, young lady, when I was doing the normal thumb scrolling through Instagram <laughs> a long while a while ago now, because we've been trying to plan this podcast for quite a while yeah. now, haven't we? Um, and for one thing or another, you you poor you poor young lady getting COVID and yeah. me being ill and things life getting in the way, but you know we'd get it done eventually. But I saw you on. Uh, a, a lot, I think a Rianne, a lovely Rianne Brooke, um, who, who we all adore, of course. Um, yeah. we, we, she had posted a video of you doing your first spoken word performance. My first headline set, um, Rianne was. Yeah, I, I do apologise. Sorry, yeah. yes, your first headline set, of course. Yeah. yeah, and I saw that and I thought, who is this? Who is this young lady getting up there being all, all, all sassy and all. Fast, right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought fast. she's really good. I thought I, I like this lady. I thought she's really she's really um got the room here. She's got the and she's really not not arrogant with it. Not because he's I'm, I've I've yet to go to my first um spoken word event. I'm I'm hoping to do that this year. But I'm there's support in the room anyway. You could feel that. But you you had this sense of genuineness about you, and I liked that when I first saw you read your piece. So I thought, well, a I've got to get this young lady on on the podcast anyway because she'd make an awesome guest. But also I thought I need to talk to her about what it was like to get up there and do that and go from what we've just heard your story yeah. so far to get to that point of getting up there for the first time I and mean, headlining her. A... I mean, do you know what? This story is like, it almost brings tears to my eyes, yeah, for the simple fact that I started going to events like early last year, I think it was, sometime early, early part of last year um and I would just go and I'd watch like always just watching in the background um and there is an event um that I would regularly go to called Poetivity um big up poetic conscience <laughs> um but yeah so that event I always felt like it was just small it was intimate um you know the the founder Sarah she was just so lovely always just like you know having a chat and she's always like oh do you write and I'm like, yeah, I do. And she's like, why don't you perform? And I'm like, no, I don't perform. <laughs> I'm like, I don't perform. I just write. Um, and she's like, well, you know, if you ever want to grace the stage, you know, we'll, we'll be loved. We'll be grateful to have you, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, she's got a um, assistant that works with her. And for the life of me, I can't remember this lady's name right now. But anyways, um, I came to one of the events in June last year. Um, and the day before the event, I had an appointment at the doctor's um, and the appointment at the doctor's gave me some bad news where I found out that I went from having one fibroid um, to having three fibroids. Um, and again, this was one of those medical situations where they sent me on my way with the results and told me to call my GP. Um, and I was like, huh? <laughs> so what do you mean like aren't you going to tell me what it means like how big they are like you know where are they like anything she's like your GP will explain everything and I'm like and what do I do in the meantime until I speak to my GP um oh well don't worry about it too much you know that they'll explain everything and I was like great so I'm back in the same position where they send me off with this piece of paper with this horrible news 
and I'm going to go home and I'm going to Google it because that's all I can do. Um, so I did. Um, I came out before I Googled it. Actually, I had a meltdown outside the, the hospital and I phoned my mom and I remember I was crying my eyes out. I was telling her that, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to have kids um because straight away that was all that went through my head because you know I've only ever really heard of fibroids when it comes to pregnancies so I I, I straight away was thinking right that's it you know I'm, I'm gonna struggle to have kids and I already know that having children is going to be difficult because of my lupus um you know it's it's a high risk situation for me anyway so for me mm. it's like this is another thing that's been added into the mix um, so, you know, I just had a complete meltdown because I, you know, everybody who knows me knows that Shauna adores children and she cannot wait to be a mother. Like, you know, I have waited as long as I've waited for health reasons more than anything. Um, so to, to know that I've waited this long. So now I've got age as a factor. I've got lupus as a factor. And now I've got these three fibroids as a factor. So all of these, you know, three things were like really just getting me upset and you know my mum calmed me down and you know told me I should just wait to speak to the doctor because you know it depends on where they are because some some places it doesn't make no difference at all to being pregnant like so just wait and speak to the doctor um so she calmed me down until I stopped crying and then that night I wrote a poem and the poem was um a letter to my future baby um my future daughter or son it just made me feel so much better that night after I wrote it. Um, and the event was the next day. The Poetivity event was the next day. So I was sitting on this poem that I wrote the night before. Um, and that assistant um, uh, lady, um, she had said to me, like, oh, you're still not going to perform. Like, you've been coming to all of them and you're still not going to perform. And I was like, Do you know what? Something happened yesterday. And I wrote something last night. Um, and she was like, you know, well, maybe this is the time for you to just go up, up, go up there. Even if it's something that's going to make you vulnerable, just share it. And I did. I got up on the stage that day and I shared my first piece. Um, it was called I Dream of You. And that was the scariest thing I've ever done. But the reception to it was incredible. Like, actually yep. incredible. I had people on their feet. You know, I had people coming up to me afterwards, you know, saying that's so brave, you know, to like, you know, and, and it was just the it was just the intricacy of the words that I shared. Like for me, that was a big moment because this is the first time that I'd shared something that was the vulnerable side of myself. Like all of the writing I'd shared up until that point was very much like I'd say a bit more wishy washy. <laughs> um, but I was <laughs> like um, I was just I was just pouring my heart out and really just showing where my heart was at when it came to the subject matter um mm -hmm. and after that I actually felt like a buzz like I felt a buzz from performing and I was like oh my god I actually really enjoyed that so all this time I've been coming and I have been so scared and terrified of the stage um but I finally said you know what I actually like it so I went um, to quite a few different open mics um, in the next couple of months after that. So this happened on June the 14th. And then for a couple of months after that, I um, went to spoken word events, performed on several open mics, started writing a bit more. Um, I always performed with my phone, though, because I have brain fog as a result of my lupus, like very bad brain fog. 
um, where I struggled to memorize things. Um, mm. So I was always performing from my phone and I started feeling a bit insecure about that, like, um, because I, I thought, you know, everybody else who I deemed as really, really good was often performing from memory. So I was like, oh, you know, I must just look silly, like always having my phone. So these are the things that was going through my head. But then I know my writing was being received well. So it's like I, I was like, Shona, if you could just get them to connect, it would be so good because if you could get your words memorized. And then before I even had a chance to do any of that, the, the founder of Poetivity reached out to me and said, hey, Shona, I want you to be our first featured guest. And I was like, you what? <laughs> it, was, it was like, you what, who, me? Like, me, me? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. And I was like, um, really? I almost thought it was a joke. I, I thought it was a joke. And then she's like, no, seriously. And she told me about, you know, the fee and, um, you know, the dates and how much, how long I get. And she's like, 20 minutes. And I was like, 20 minutes? I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so she's like yeah you know you can um, perform for up to 20 minutes um and I was like oh my god I'm going from doing like a two minute poem to a 20 minute set I was like whoa um so it was exciting but it was scary and I was like oh my god like why has she chosen me like I don't even know how to remember my poems like what am I gonna do so I really started working hard like working hard to like memorize like two of my poems um, and the other two I read from my phone and I did remember the two that I performed off memory um, and that was just such a big deal for me and I think a lot of the reception as well on top of the fact that I was Miss Sassy Pants on stage um, <laughs> a lot of the reception was due to the fact that they knew my journey as well they knew how much I worked hard for it like you know it's not it's not easy for me you know for most poets they they're like you know memorizing their poem is a task for someone who has severe brain fog it's 10 times worse like mm -hmm. so you know they understood that you know the effort it took and the, the 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 work it took to to get it like that and maintain that performance element as well So yeah, I absolutely adore Sarah for giving me that opportunity because I needed it for confidence wise, like, you know, just to really give me that boost and inspiration to just not feel like I'm limited by anything, even down to my lupus. You know, I used to think it was like a limiting factor when it came to like being a performer. Um, but now I've realized it's not, um, you know, it just means I have to work a bit harder um, and that's okay. Um, you know, it's 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 just yeah, I, it's just a case of practice, I suppose. So I just have to practice more. Um, but then I realized, to be honest with you, this year I don't really want to focus on performing like um, on stage. You know, there's a lot of other things that I want to do. Um, so I suppose stage performing poetry is not going to be my focus this year. Um, you might hear me a lot more on voice. <laughs> um, doing some recording um, and other stuff but on the stage you might not see me as much but I'll still be around. <laughs> you you mentioned um, about the poets and you know the, the, the ones that you it's almost like a, a, a secret almost celebrity thing isn't it crushing you, you see all these really great poets that you see on, mm -hmm. on Instagram lives and stuff and 
And I've seen that. But do you know what gave me real confidence? I've seen some really good poets that I really admire, really admire do lives and they're reading from their phone. Yeah. Now, because that is a challenge I've set myself to, to some point soon, you know, yeah. try and do an open mic or go somewhere and just read some of my stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel... I, I feel okay now about having having a phone there um do you know what like it took me going to a few events like to realize that it's okay um because yeah. you know I was seeing like very very good poets like that had some pieces that were like yeah I read it from my phone because you know it's, it's it's hard to remember that one it's hard to remember that one so I have my phone there like some of them they have it as a backup like you know even if they're trying to learn to like memorize it then they have it as a backup um so we're, not saying, robots, you know we're not robots we're not robots you know yeah, we're, we're human. You know if you can actually just more focus on the words and focus on your performance element then it doesn't matter if you have your phone ultimately um because you know people are, are listening to what you're saying more than anything um so it, it does it did help it did help me give um feel a lot better for doing my headline set because I was worried for the headline set that oh you know she's chosen me as a headliner and I'm going to read from my phone. Isn't that going to be like, you know, a bit awkward. And, but it just, it was fine. It was totally fine. Like it made no difference that I was using my phone for those two, two poems that I did. Um, and you know, it helped that I had the two that I did remember. Um, but ultimately the whole thing went off great. Like regardless of me using my phone, the whole thing was amazing. So for anyone who is like, sitting there questioning themselves because they don't know how to memorize their poems or I would just say focus on what you're writing focus on what you're writing what you've written um because that's what's going to connect with the audience ultimately um whether you are using your phone to, to connect those lyrics or not makes no difference just focus on your words and what you're writing and that's the primary objective because if, if you think about it that's what connects people to you in the first place when they yeah. see your Instagram stuff, isn't it? Because they, they read your words. Exactly. Exactly. That's a good way to look at it. So coming off the subject of writing and performing and being an all-round amazing person that you are, what, what do you do to relax other than, you know, putting your pen to paper or did you to phone? What, 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 does, what, does, what does Shauna do to let her hair down and chill out? Right. And, so... What Shauna does is <laughs> she likes she likes a bath first of all. She loves her bath. I call them my self care days, yeah, where I set my bath with as much bubbles as possible, like to the point where you know when it reaches that that um hole where the water starts to drain out. Yeah, that's yeah. where my water reaches all the way up there with the bubbles almost overflowing with my candles and my. Michael Bolton. Oh my God, my friends are going to kill me for saying that. <laughs> With my Michael Bolton in the background, as I then belt out some lyrics. I love to sing in the bathtub. Sing in the bathtub is my thing. <laughs> like, if it's not in the bathtub, then it has to be in a karaoke setting. I love to sing. I cannot sing, but I love to sing. <laughs> Let me just clarify guys i'm not here saying that i'm a singer i am not a singer i do not have a good voice okay <laughs> i just like to sing a lot as loud as possible as often as possible <laughs> um so karaoke or singing in the tub that is my thing like 
when I'm in the tub, um, I also don't mind like doing my writing. Like sometimes I'll have my um, phone as well, which is not, yeah, it sounds a bit dangerous, you know, phone in the tub and all sorts. But <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying like, I write in the most bizarre places. This is one of the bizarre places. <laughs> so I wonder why you break phones. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Shauna, I'm going to call you Shauna. I like, I like the name Shauna. You know what? You actually say it well, so that's fine. <laughs> I can't understand how people can't can't pronounce it. Anyway, that's a, that's another thing, Shona. I'm going to end this episode here because I want to come back for another episode with you, um, <laughs> because I, I think you talk so eloquently and so so beautifully. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to come back with a because I think that that whole your whole story has made one episode in itself, and I think that's a beautiful story. And I think it's going to inspire a lot of people. It certainly inspired me. Um, about where you've been where you've been so to such a low point to then come back like a like a warrior really and to come back with such a force and to be where you are now you've certainly inspired me and I'm sure you're going to inspire a lot of the listeners as well um but I want to come back to you because I've got a couple of talking points that I want to kind of discuss with you and get your views on those so we're going to come back for a second episode um which would be great because then it gives us a Episode and it gives you more of a more of a platform as well so pod wafflers um come back for the next episode which will be of course on spotify and it will be hopefully the week after this episode goes out um shauna for now thank you so much for joining thank us you. i um, have really enjoyed this i have you're an absolute joy to speak to and um i will be speaking to you on the next episode perfect see you guys soon Pop Offers, that was the wonderful and vibrant M.S. Lee, Shauna Lee. Um, I do hope you enjoyed our conversation. She was an absolute joy to speak to. And of course, as I said at the start of the podcast episode, this is part one of a uh, two-parter. So join us next time where we discuss some in-depth subjects, including mental health again, and of course, how it affects us when you use social media and what it's like to be in the public eye. Um, We're going to talk about many things, so I do hope you can join us for part two. Until the next time, stay safe, stay well, and of course, keep creating. Ta-da!